little Manic Monday, Duke. You're excited about that song. You're doing a little bopping of the head and everything. How could you not bop your head along to that? <laughs> well, it's our uh, next guest's favorite song as well, or one of them anyway. Time to elevate our game and elevate your game. Brought to, brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Uh, unlock the potential of your residence with a home elevator or lift. Uh, all you have to do is uh, check them out and learn more at TrustRam.com as we welcome in Lorianne Munzer, Olympic gold medalist in 2004 to the program. Good morning, Lorianne. Good morning and happy Monday. Happy How Monday, doing, Kevin. Uh, doing great. Did you love your song to start things oh, off? I was just smiling. I couldn't believe it. I'm going, there, the day is made. This is perfect. <laughs> yes, a little manic Monday. Uh, I was texting you this morning. We were talking, texting each other about uh, Jennifer Jones and the curling last night. So here, here's an athlete, Lorianne, that uh, has given so much to the sport. Uh, you know, she's getting, you know, she's been around the game a long time and I'm gonna, not going to say how old she is. Don't have to do that, but 18 Scotties and six championships. But when she made the announcement earlier, you know, a couple months ago that this would be her last Scotties, how does an athlete, I guess, go through and prepare for what's I don't know if you want to call it the swan song or anything. And um, how does an athlete, I guess, do that and prepare for something like that? I think one of the things to think about is how do you want your last events to go? And then there's the other component too is, so then there's the, uh, the final event, which we watched. And then the next phase is what comes after it. So there's a, a number of different components, but the number mm-hmm. one component is not to lose sight of where you are, like right here, right now, and continuing to play those games at that level that you're used to, maybe elevating your game a little bit more so that, you know, you're, you really truly are bringing the champion out. I mean, she's got an incredible track record here. She's been in the game for so long, like a quarter of a century is unbelievable. Yes. Um, you know, she, she's looking at it that it's not age is one of the factors here. Mm-hmm. So it's just, what do you want to do? And then it's just working one event at a time. But then when it comes down to your final event, there were a number of things that were going through my mind because I did have that milestone to to realize and go, okay, so am I retiring? What am I going to do? What does this look like? And you go through so many highs and so many lows of emotions that, you know, you've been involved, What what's coming up next. But again, it's, you can't lose sight of the events where you are and it's just one game or one heat or one rock at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lorianne Munzer with us on Sports 1440. So her her last shot, Lorianne, in the 10th end, so it's tied 4-4 with Rachel Holman. Holman has the hammer, so she has one rock left. But I was really keeping a close eye on Jennifer in the hack and she's getting ready to throw her final rock. This is her last rock at the Scotties. And she kind of backed off once and, you know, went back into the crouch and re-scrubbed the rock. Um, Can an athlete in that moment, in the moment that you know this is the last one, overthink it and maybe put herself outside of that element that she's been so used to over the years? Absolutely. And that was one thing I noticed as well, too, because I was watching just, you know, how is she going? How is her like, how is the body posture? Because that's also connected with the mindset. And when I saw her just 
reset. I went good on you because it mm-hmm. just wasn't that moment. But then the question is, where did her thoughts go from there? Did they go and pop outside of the game and then come back in? And it was just, you go through that routine of, you know, uh, clearing the rock, making sure the ice is, is exactly where you need it to be resetting and then going. And I don't know if it was just emotions that took over at that point going, Hey, this is my last rock. This is it. And Mm -hmm. it was just super amount of pressure. We all face it. And, we find out what happens once uh, the rock is released. Did you ever have that kind of happen to you or an opportunity where you had to kind of back off and reset and make sure that you were right going into, you know, the big moment? Absolutely. There were a couple of times. One was right in the Olympics uh, before going into the first heat of the finals. You have to win the best two out of three races. I had a cameraman that was so close as I was bending over and I was doing up the toe straps to lock my feet into my pedals. The cameraman was so close that he actually hit my hands and it was like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) So I literally have a whole routine of adjusting the helmets, adjusting my glasses, zipping up my skin suit. And then it was just like this big exhale, right? And then you're ready to go. Um, The other time was when my last race, when I was in LA at the big track down there, and my head was everywhere except in the race. And I thought, you know what, I've got to pinch myself to put me back into the race again and just reset it so that I'm focused with the job that I'm about to do here. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it was one of the hardest things to do is, and it was harder than the Olympics at the World Championships in LA because I was retiring, this was my last event. Mm -hmm. This was my last event. And it was just, I had a lot of doubt going through my mind going, can I actually do this? And of course, Olympic champion, everybody's there, they're rooting for you. And I don't want to let anybody down. And yet I'm going, "Ah, I just, (laughs) I knew what was going to happen. And it, it, it wasn't going to go in my favor. But you still have to show up as the champion, no matter what. Yeah. And, and Lorianne Munzer with us, you saw, you know, Jennifer Jones after and, you know, and she's happy, sad, all the emotions. So like, you know, how, how does a champion like that handle moving forward here where she's still going to go into mixed doubles, which is very highly competitive with her husband, uh, Brent Lang. So how does that, how does that transition happen for, you know, a world-class athlete? Well, number one uh, at the Scotties is enjoy the moments. Take a look around you. And you could see her doing the 360. I'm going to call it the 360 degree salute to everybody in the arena. And it was just that's such class right there. That mm-hmm. is such a professional. And also at the same time, she's trying to hold it together. Right. And it's enjoy where you are right now. Whether or not, you know, I was listening to you and Selena talking beforehand. That was her first, right? Like what an experience. And it's just only going to get better and better. There's going to be high times. There's going to be low times. And the one most important thing that I even tell all of the athletes that I'm working with is if you can answer the question, did you give it your all? Did you give it your best? Regardless of the outcome, 
Did you give it your best? And if the answer is yes, that's all that we can ask for. It's so hard as a spectator because you're so rooting for either the underdog or the champion. And it's like you just want the best outcome. But that's sport. Only Mm -hmm. one person or one team can win. And it's just take a moment, take a look at where you are who's around, what's going on, and then go out and celebrate. And then tomorrow, then let's start thinking about the next chapter. Yeah. And that that next chapter for her, Laurieanne, is mixed doubles, as we just kind of mentioned. I'm trying to think if there's been an opportunity where you know, and we've seen it, I guess, in between cycling and, and sledding and things like that in the crossover. But now she's got a chance to continue on and possibly go to the Olympics again as a mixed doubles uh, representing Canada. You know, she's got a lot of work to do. There's some great mixed doubles teams out there. But this is a, a unique situation for her. How, do, how does she kind of approach that, I guess, cycle here uh, moving forward with the next Olympics in a couple of years? Well, I think this is a beautiful segue for her. And it's just, okay, instead of, you know, there's four people to coordinate with all of you, it comes down to two. So there's a different dynamic. Then throw in your partner because it's got to be, um, you've got to be in sync. And that's going to be the number one thing. How can you play off of each other's Mm -hmm. strengths and keep raising that bar, elevating your game? And then it's just, okay, what is the plan? What is the progression? I mean, we, we always talk about this is what is the goal? The goal never changes, but the plan may. And it's just, okay, where are we going? It's not where I am going. It's where are we going as a team? The team is 50% less, but I think there's twice as much pressure. I think there could be twice as much distractions and there's twice as much put on you as the athlete. Well, I'm not, how about the dinner table with, you know, what are, why, hey, why didn't you make that shot last night? Things like that can get a little, could get a little, little dicey, no? Yeah, I think I think there's that component, too. And I think there's got to be that component of when do we leave what is on the ice on the ice and then we go on, you know, in the other components, you know, as a mom, as a professional, um, as a husband and wife team. Um, Here's a question that you might know is how many double teams are there? that are husband and wife or partners? Quite a few. There are quite a few. And then there's like we had actually we had Laura and Jeff Walker in, husband and wife. We had them in studio, oh, about a month ago or so. They used to be partners, but now uh, Jeff kind of, he's obviously staying in the men's game. Laura's taking a break from the women's game and her partner's from Saskatchewan. So it's a little different dynamic there. So, um, but there are quite a few of them. And again, I would say that you are exactly right. And maybe I'll ask it again, sort of just straight to the point right after the game, is that where you end? You're leaving everything at the rink and people say that all the time, but I mean, you really have to leave it at the rink or it's going to hurt your personal life. Yep. I think there needs to be that transition. It's like, you know, when we used to drive to work and then when we used to drive home, that's that transition Mm -hmm. period. So, yeah, it's so easy to mechanically say, yeah, honey, let's leave it at the ice or at the rink. And then we head out the doors. 
I believe that there always has to be that transition piece and that part of going from the rink into the other components and areas of your life. And then there also has to be the component where you can go, um, honey, can I can, can I ask you about something because it's on my mind? And the darn thing is, is once you get that thought in is it doesn't go away. It's just mm-hmm. like chirping away, chirping away. And You've got to have that outlet. So really finding those ways to communicate, that's where the psychology comes in of what will you have in in place so that you can deal up when, you know, those those stories and those voices <laughs> and those questions come up. But it may not be the right time for the other person. And I mean, we have that with, you know, our uh, work families. We have that with our families, you know, with our kids, um, with our sports teams, with our rec leagues. And it's part and parcel of us as human beings. But the question is, have we thought about this? And what do we want to do? How do we want to approach it? But then asking the other person, how do they want to approach it? When's the best time? Or when's the time to say, not now, but let's talk about this in an hour or in a day. Mm-hmm. And, and we all process it so differently. But when you understand and know how the other person processes this best, you can have the best outcomes ever, where instead of going from I, it goes to we, and it can be incredibly powerful. Lorianne Munzer with us on Sports 1440. Just a quick one with the Oilers situation, Lorianne, and, you know, we've seen them at the beginning of the year where they were losing and fragile. Then we saw them on a 16-game winning streak and an eight-game winning streak where they were top of the hill and bulletproof. And now we're seeing a little, I guess, fragility settle in right now. So what is the mindset of this team, in your opinion? I think it has to go back to the reset. And that reset is what were we doing when we were on fire, when we were winning, when it was one game and then plus one and plus one. The other part that I'm seeing is it really has to come back to the collective of we as a team versus being an individual player. When we watch the confidence rise, when we're winning, it's easier. But when it starts to diminish and goes you know, starts going south where it's like, okay, we should have won that game. We should have won that other game. And it's not happening. It's what do we need to go back to and bring back again? And, you know, one thing I was thinking about was Paul Coffey. Mm-hmm. There was something I believe that Paul Coffey was instrumental with as they started on that 16 game winning streak. I don't know how much of a component he is being brought back into or if there is something there that the team really resonates with. Um, I don't know. Can you speak about that? How much interaction is Paul having now? Like, are they bringing him back? Because I wasn't sure from the interview. Yeah. I mean, are you you might be, are you talking about Saturday night on after hours? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I watched that too. And I, I just the, tailing because I didn't get back in time to watch it all but I watched about half I would say you know and again that's a tough loss so it's a really hard interview to do and it's hard to be you know he's not it's not all you know what giggles after a 6-3 loss where you get pounded by your uh, you know your provincial rival so it's I think it's hard for for a person to take a whole lot from that interview Uh, but I can tell you that Paul communicates 
so well with his players, more so probably than um, a lot of coaches that they've had. And that's the key, one of the keys to his success uh, with that that bond and that that working relationship with the that he has with all his players. So I guess that's kind of how I would sort of answer that, I guess, for you. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting when you're saying that because it made me think about when you were asking about the um, the dynamics of working together as a husband and wife or yeah. partners and partner, right, is having that transition. And I don't know if he is a key element or a key component and making that transition from one game to the next. Yeah. I, would, I would consider looking at it. I would, he, you know. He, yeah, he would at that point, Lorianne, I mean, he's probably, you know, their teams, when they win, you know, they'll enjoy it for a little bit. When they lose, they they have to basically sit on it for a bit and get that sour taste. But then you have to move on quite quickly because the season's long. You got games in a row, games back to back and things like that. And, and that's just how, you know, a season, the ebbs and flows of a season goes. So. Uh, that's kind of yep. probably his mentality. So, hey, LA, yeah. this was outstanding. Appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. Uh, thanks for coming on. We'll have you on every Monday at 10 o'clock. And uh, this has just been absolutely dynamite, JJ, as I would call it. <laughs> thanks so much for having me. <laughs> All right. Thanks, we'll Laureate. Yeah, we'll see you next, next Monday. That's Laureate Munzer, Olympic gold medalist in cycling in 2004. And, of course, we elevated our game. She elevated her game. And we elevate your game. That's uh, Elevate Your Game by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. TrustRam.com. When we come back, it will be our St. Albert Dodge Game of the Day. The Kings, Oilers, Jim Fox, LA Kings analyst will be with us. Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Game of the Day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Over 300 new Dodge Ram and Jeeps are available. 0% financing for up to 72 months on select models and 0% also available on Ram 1500s only at stalbertdodge.com. As we welcome in Jim Fox, LA Kings analyst to the program as the Kings get set to take on the Oilers tonight at Rogers Place. Jim, good morning. Uh, thanks for hopping on Sports 1440. My pleasure. I just have a question. Yeah. Your, when the Oilers when the Oilers are playing, <laughs> is the game of the day ever not an Oilers game? <laughs> no, it's pretty well a given that the game of the day is an Oilers game. Yeah, but we have you the ability it. to move it around. But you're right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so you guys flew in yesterday. Uh, what was that like getting off the plane from Cali to yeah. what you experienced here? Yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, no, we've been getting a lot of rain, which I know doesn't sound too bad but where we are it's new and dangerous at times with landslides and things of that sort so we've been we've been having a lot a lot of rain but uh yeah i will say it has been for a for a kid who grew up just outside of Sudbury, it was mm-hmm. still kind of a shock. Yeah, I mean, we've had great weather here, Jim, all winter. And I would say yesterday was the worst storm we had all season long, wow. all winter season. So just in time for you guys to yeah. get into town, I guess. Huh? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Jim, I, I was lucky enough to play a year of junior hockey with Jim Hiller back in the day. And uh, since he's taken over as head coach, so I've known Jim since the late 80s, um, since he's taken over the Kings for Todd McClellan, what have you noticed as far as a change goes uh, in what the Kings have been doing? Yeah, the biggest difference is uh, personnel usage. Uh, I think Jim gets a little bit more specific in-game. He's willing to change things around as far as line combinations, defense pairs, although Trent Yanni handles the D pairs more so. 
But Jim uh, does not hesitate to move things around. And you never get a feeling that it's a demotion or a penalty or, you know, penalizing someone. It's just it's just kind of keeping guys in game. So mm-hmm. the biggest area we notice is coming off a power play or a penalty kill. He may put the next three guys out there that have never played together really in that game, but he just wants to make sure that they're not sitting too long. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's the biggest difference I've noticed, the personnel usage, changing, mixing, juggling lines, especially after power play and penalty kill. Kings analyst Jim Fox, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Does Quentin Byfield fall into that category, Jim, where he's moving up and down a little bit more in the last bit? Well, you know what? Uh, it's a good point. He has been moving around, but in the past it would be probably to get Quentin going. Now he's being moved around to get other guys going or to balance things out because this year he has been a an impact player. He has been the guy that has been leading a line, uh, making sure that line is going to have an effect on the game. So, yeah, he has been – that's a good point. He has been moved around a lot more, but, again, it's for different reasons. It's because he has become the guy, so to speak, to get the other guys going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when the Kings went out on that eastern swing and lost that tough one, well, not a tough one, lost a really lopsided game in Buffalo, uh, what happened after that game to kind of, uh, so the team had good success uh, on the continuation of that road trip? Yeah, I, I think that one caught them off guard a little bit. Uh, it was something that, you know, actually a year ago, a season ago, the Kings lost 6 nothing in Buffalo, and it turned their season around. It you know, just made them look a little bit closer at what was going on. Uh, you know, I, I think right now, if there's any challenge for the group right now, it's, you know, I think Jim likes more of an attacking style, but you always have to weigh that with balance, right? You know, are you making hope plays? Is it a 50-50 puck battle or is it 75-25? If it is either of those, how do you read and react off of that situation? So I think getting the balance right now, and that was probably the issue in the Buffalo game where, you know, they probably were looking for a little bit too much on the offensive side and everything opened up defensively. So uh, I'm sure every mm-hmm. team in the league is struggling with that balance, but that's the challenge for the Kings right now to, to attack more, but at the same time maintain and keep some of their defensive foundation, which they've been known for. LA Kings analyst Jim Fox, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Cam Talbot, as we know, uh, uh, had a fantastic start to the season, but uh, how well has David Riddick played uh, for the Kings of late? You know, uh, David's living up to his his nickname. He really is. <laughs> Big Save Dave. He, he's, he, he is. He's, you know what? He doesn't look the greatest in that at times. Uh, there's scramble situations. But you know what? He's done the job. His numbers are more than fine. And the Kings are, you know, I guess you would say that they're very happy that they're able to have David in the position where he comes in and, and plays like he does. So, uh, you know, in his wins and, you know, even going back to the last game against Anaheim, it was a shootout win. Uh, the Kings have struggled in shootouts this year, mostly because they couldn't get saves. Mm-hmm. And Dave came up with some big stops. So uh, that's that's what he's living up to. Uh, Cam's game has dropped off as far as the numbers. And um, I think that's an area where, you know, you're trying to... We were trying to look, when the Kings went through their slide in January, we were looking at all the internal analytic numbers, and they hadn't dropped off that much, at least at the beginning of the slide. Maybe they started to at the end. But, um, you know, you came back to the the two main ones, which are kind of big numbers, which is, you know, shooting percentage and save percentage. 
And Mm -hmm. the Kings had almost 180 turnarounds in those areas, meaning early in the season, the shooting percentage was right at the top of the league. And then during the slide, it went right to the bottom. And the same thing for the save percentage. At the beginning of the league, I think it was second best, and then it went to 31st. So Hmm. it wasn't a drop-off from like high to middle. It was complete 180. Hey, Jim, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, when you watch him on a night-to-night basis, what goes through your mind uh, when you're seeing him uh, out there every every night? Since the All-Star break, uh, impact player, Makes a difference, uh, big, strong, and physical. Uh, before that, he he was not uh, finding a way to get a feel for games. I, I'm sure, you know, we understand that PL comes with baggage from his other stops. Everyone knew that, uh, and he does have a tendency at times, or he did at least. Again, since the All Star break, there's a whole different story, whole completely different player. Uh, I can get into that, but, uh, you know, he, he, he analyzes, he stands, he watches. He's a very cerebral player, but you say, you know, come on, get in there, get, Uh make it happen. And uh, since the break, he's done that. Um, The coaching staff led by Jim Hiller um, specifically went to PL and said, they're going to devise a point system for him, not goals and assists, but five or six different categories that they're going to rate him on Mm -hmm. every single game. They're going to discuss it after the game. And um, since then, much more involved, much more of an impact, not only in the number of hits, but how hard the hits that he's giving. So besides uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who else would be at the top of the list who has, I guess, kind of benefited from the coaching change, Jim? Yeah, you know, that's it, it's just, it's more so from that standpoint of not sitting too long. There are times where Jim will shorten the bench, meaning the fourth line or the fourth, one line or a group of players because he's been mixing and matching and juggling just won't play in the third period. Mm-hmm. But that means the other three lines do. Uh, so if it's benefited anyone, it would be benefit guys that were in non-specialty team situations that because of a, a game with a lot of penalties, they would end up sitting and you know all of a sudden you're asked to come out and do it. Well, if that happens and Jim can't get around it, then he just sits those guys. But for the most part, again, he's trying to juggle to make sure everyone stays in the game and doesn't go too long without a shift. Mm-hmm. Jim Fox, our guest on Sports 1440. I wanted to talk about your great career with the Kings for a bit, uh, Jim, if you don't mind. And when you came up to L.A. as a draft to pick out of Ottawa, you're you're 20 years old and you, you get to the, the the starry lights of L.A. and Tinseltown. Just you, what were your initial thoughts of a you know a kid out of Ontario going to you know the glitz and the glamour of L.A. Yeah, you know what? There's not a lot of time for that. There really isn't. Uh, It is a big difference as far as the weather. And I think everyone, you know, that's laid back. Well, it's laid back because rarely do you have to worry about the weather. When you get up in the morning, it's not the first thing that comes to mind. But uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, room with uh, Larry Murphy and and, uh, Greg Terrian, who's passed away. Uh, Rest in peace, Greg. Um, You know, we were three young kids. We were living right on the beach. Uh, you know, they had the surfers and the roller skaters and all that stuff. But you know what? To be honest, you know what? You're playing every other day. The travel back then, it was, you know, uh, balanced schedule. Played every other team in the league, two and two, two home, two away. Uh, commercial travel. 
So there wasn't a lot of time to to get involved in those other areas. Believe me. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, with the you know charters and back and forth, maybe it would be a different story. But back then. Uh, you just had to focus on playing the game. Uh, before I ask you about the triple crown line and having a, a front row seat to watch them, uh, you did mention Larry Murphy. You must have went, this guy, well, he's 19, he comes out of junior, and you're going, this is, it looks like it's easy for him. He's putting up points like crazy. Yeah, you know, I, had, I played against Larry because Larry was in Peterborough and I was in Ottawa, so I knew about him for sure. But you're right, uh, you know, part of the reason I think it was Makarov that ended up making the reason of changing the Calder, the Rookie of the Year, you know, based mm-hmm. on an age issue. Peter Stastny won Rookie of the Year that year, and he was an older player coming in too. If not, Larry would have won Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, even back then, as a rookie, I mean, they had to kind of hold him back from practices because he was playing so much during games <laughs> that they just had to save his energy, and that was really unusual for uh, a rookie player, but... uh uh, Larry was dominant and ended up being dominant throughout his career. Yeah, well, we had Larry on uh, a few weeks ago, Jim, when the Oilers were pressing for 17 wins in a row because he was on the Pittsburgh team in 92-93. So. Um, Marcel Dion, Dave Taylor, Charlie Simmer, the triple crown line. So when you get up and basically they're they're all together, what was it like to kind of watch these three guys? A little bit older. I think Marcel was about 10 years older than you, but just to watch the three of them work together. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. Here's the easiest thing. If you were on the second power play unit, which I was at times, <laughs> you never got on the ice because they scored. They scored right away. Uh, they were so dominant. Uh, it's a great example, and you, you don't see it that much anymore. I think you see you know, pairs that are kept together as a line, but just three completely different style players that ended up meshing together. And that's difficult to come by, but, you know, you have Marcel in the middle, the shooter, you have Dave Taylor in the corners back and forth, you know, doing the dirty work, Charlie Simmer in front of the net, tipping everything, rebounds, all of those things, uh, just a dominant, dominant line. So, uh, Jim, did you, I mean, you had almost four consecutive uh, 30-goal campaigns uh, after your rookie season, and then Charlie was out a couple of times and Dave missed some time. Did you ever see uh, a fair bit of, action and fair bit of time on that top line when when guys were out i never made like i never really played with marcel um on the top line but uh, bernie nichols was my centerman for the most part early mm-hmm. on we had a couple of different left wingers and i you know i think we did end up being uh, considered the top line we went into montreal one night and this is you know to be honest this is one of the things i remember um you know we went into montreal to play the canadians and i think it was I think Charlie was on the left, my, uh, Bernie in the middle, and I was on the right because Dave was hurt, so they had to mix around the top line. And, you know, we come on the ice for the, our first shift of the game, and Mario Tremblay, uh, Doug Risebrow, uh, you know, comes. So their checking line, Doug Jarvis, comes on the lo- ice against us. And I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, holy jeez, Montreal's checking line is out against us. And, they, you know, they, they were matching on purpose. So, uh, I did have a chance to, you know, play on an elevated role because of injuries to Dave and to Charlie at times, but uh, really never, ever did play with Marcel. Hmm. Uh, and once you kind of established yourself to be a veteran guy, then some other younger guys came in, um, kind of how you were with the Triple Crown line, and I'm talking about guys like Luke Robitaille and and, uh, and uh, uh, Jimmy Carson, guys like that. So how was that kind of when you were the older guy and these younger guys were coming in? You know what, there was a, there was a lot of change. 
And that's the one thing, unfortunately, that, you know, the franchise at the time with the Kings where too much change. Mm -hmm. Uh, Never, ever had a chance for anything to gel. If you had one good season, uh, going to the next, uh, you know, eight new players on the team. So you you don't get a chance to learn together. Um, But when uh, Luke, Jimmy, and Steve Duchesne came up all in the same season, all three of them made the all-rookie team, uh, that was that was kind of a changing point for us. Obviously, when you know Jimmy was involved in the Gretzky trade, that was a huge change. But um, it was it was the first time that perhaps you know younger guys took over, uh, and it did give a, a much more confident feel to our group mm-hmm. uh, that we you know honestly believed that we could do some damage. Uh, one last one for Jim Fox, uh, LA Kings analyst. You played a, just a, a, a touch with with Wayne Gretzky when he got there, and just can you describe what the change was in LA and hockey, the scene, the growth of the sport uh, thanks to '99? Yeah, I, I am play, playing uh, two years with Wayne. One year I was hurt, mm-hmm. but uh, I played uh, one year with Wayne. It, it's you know what? Uh, I'm probably the person that was able to see. Uh, the biggest change is because I was there eight years before Wayne came and I'm still there now. And my job that exists right now on TV was based on the Kings. We're actually at a simulcast again, but when I first was playing with the Kings, uh, they were doing a simulcast, meaning radio TV together on the same feed. Uh, When I retired, uh, they decided, hey, we can have two separate revenue streams if we separate radio and TV. And the reason that happened was Wayne. Mm-hmm. because the interest grew so much that everyone felt comfortable in those types of areas. But it was night and day. I mean, I remember just being around the offices when Wayne uh, and the trade was announced. I was in the offices at the time, and um, the phones started ringing off the hook. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. People, He was that crossover athlete. He was one of the few, if not the only, hockey player that could make an impact in Los Angeles just by kind of name recognition, being on the cover of Sports Illustrated, all of those types of things. Uh, and he caught the attention of everyone. And it is not an overstatement to say all of the teams, Anaheim, San Jose, Dallas, both Florida teams, Nashville, all of these non-hockey markets, uh, it's still the Wayne Gretzky effect. Yeah, well, in that 30 for 30 documentary, your old friend uh, Bob Miller, remember him in the documentary saying fans phoning in for, we want these tickets that, you know, two here, two, f- we don't even know what we're buying, but we're buying them because Wayne's coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, they were actually just take, answering the call, taking a message and say, we'll get back to you because they had to just keep answering the phones <laughs> and then get back to people later. Oh, good stuff. Hey, Jim, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we bump into you uh, during uh, an intermission tonight down at the rink. Thanks for this. Sounds great. Okay, my pleasure. Thank that, you. That's Jim Fox, LA Kings analyst, and our game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge, an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge. See how easy it is to do business with the great people up there on St. Albert Trail. Uh, check out stalbertdodge.com. When we come back, we'll, uh, I guess, wrap things up with the Duke of Delburn. Talk about the weekend. What happened? This and that. I thought you were, I'll be honest, Duke. When we were here on Friday and you were running down your schedule, I, I really, truly envisioned, you know, Kramer from the AIDS walk coming in at the finish line there and, you know. In a, in a, a previous version of myself, that probably would have been the case. Thankfully, uh, Father Time has taught me oh, a few valuable lessons. And, dude. you know, it's better 
because well, we've we've gone over some different iterations of this expression. But if you're gonna run with the wolves, you gotta you gotta piss with the pups, as, as, right. as uh, my mom always said. And I wasn't quite ready to do that this morning, or even yesterday, with the, my quick commute down to Delburne, knowing uh, we got you know the weather advance, the snowfall warning on my drive back. The conditions mm-hmm. were not gonna be very good. And hey, if I was um, either still a student and I had to go to class on this Monday morning or maybe uh, go down and sharpen some skates at the local shop as a part-time job, I might have stuck around a little later last night. Delburn, uh, one of the players' dads, a great benefactor of the team, dropped off a few cases of beer, a few 60s of rye whiskey uh, into the room post-game after the tough loss for the boys. I probably would have sat and indulged for a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but I'm older, I'm wiser, I'm... Uh, <laughs> I'm you know, you're half the ages of what I am, Duke. Yeah, but you didn't do that last night either because you're wise. No, but I mean, it's just like, again, Donovan, I watched Donovan on on Saturday night. I'm going, like, this is a big night for you, Donovan. You have the ability here. I kind of thought Donovan might turn it a little loose uh, knowing he was on uh, SKS's bill for at least a little bit of the evening. (laughs) But he's a pretty responsible young man. Even uh, sometimes he tells stories when he does hit the town with some of his friends from Nate and whatnot. He's a, uh, he's often the driver, the, the DD for the night. Well, that's good truck for Donovan. And he's, he lives up in the North side of St. Albert. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a pretty decent commute, no matter where you're coming from. So I respect that. But yeah, yeah. Saturday night seemed prime real estate to mm-hmm. turn it a little loose. I was waiting for a little, of, little of the Donovan, uh, the intern, just the action, just the aura, the man, the see, myth. S- see some of the magic. Yeah. See how there the was magic no, happens. There was no magic at all. There was not on the tables, <laughs> not on... Uh, he got me a little bit of luck sitting beside me playing some wildlife on the dingers and that yeah. to salvage the financial situation of the night, but otherwise not much magic for Donovan. Oh, man. Okay, we're, uh, we'll get to some of your texts. one 1440 Had one a long time ago. I got to find it, but uh, we were talking about Slapshot and uh, this text is about a new movie coming out called minor leaguer I think I'm going to check again but we'll get some details on that it's with Timo Solani and Brett Hall it, it looks like it's going to be awesome movie it's coming out I guess sometime uh, this year so that's coming up on the Kevin Carey show on Sports 1440 stay with us wow oh, Duke is that a 1440 debut Yep. What uh, what got what 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 got you into playing that baby? Why well, you know what we got the little search bar here. And? It's typed in Monday. See oh, what else come up. Uh, really? We were, we are we were had a little discourse about Friday songs versus Monday songs and new moon on so Monday. So you just hit Monday and then it comes up, bang. And then so it gives you the full queue, including a lot of uh, commercials and stuff that have the Monday wow. um, keyword. But yeah, do a little Duran Duran yes. on Monday morning. I'd never heard, I've never heard that song before. It's all right. It's an old, like, I mean, they're not, Duran Duran's number one song is Hungry Like the Wolf, I yes, would say. Yes, correct. I think that's, uh, that's a great, pretty, pretty safe. Grade 11, grade 11, I think for me, it's somewhere in there. Maybe a grade 11 prom. Yeah, well, I, well, I was t- t- 25 years old in grade 11. <laughs> <laughs> that that damn grade 12 was never got kicked ev- out of, evasive. Never got kicked out of grade 4 cuz I was stupid, Duke. I was just too old. <laughs> you know. <laughs> What's a Billy Madison style type thing or what? Oh, it was a tough couple of years. <laughs> Text coming in 1440 this is a while ago. Sorry, Sparky B, we didn't get the, this was a, a, well, two hours ago. Sparky B says, morning guys, great show as usual. On hockey movies, do you guys know about this one? And he sends the trailer. So it's a trailer for a movie called Minor Leaguer. So the movie's coming out, uh, well, it's a 2024 trailer. I'm not sure when it's coming out. Released in 2024, it says, with Timo Solani and Brett Hull. 
So they are in this movie. I would assume that they are owning a minor hockey league team, a minor league team, uh, doing something in that sense. Of Brett Hall, they're talking about Brent Brett Hall being born for the camera. Yes, he loved the camera. He was great, and Timo Solani is great on camera. So uh, minor leaguer. I have to see when it comes out, but uh, Timo and Brett. And there's some interesting, um, to me, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it. I w- looked at the trailer and it's kind of like a, a Shorzy thing, but not quite. I mean, obviously with Hull and Solani, it's different and they're into, they're not playing obviously and things like that. So thanks for that a minor leaguer. And uh, that came from Sparky B. Uh, also from Cam a while back. Hey, uh, Kevin, nice to finally meet you on Saturday night. The party was okay. I even saw the Duke. Keep those parties going. <laughs> Uh, love the program that Cam's. Uh, it's uh, Sugarfoot Cam. Sugarfoot Cam. I think I remembered meeting him. He was. Uh, he's a big boxing guy. He's had. Uh, he had a kind of a leather jacket on, ball cap, and you know we met. I met so many people there that I hadn't seen in a long. Well, or met, but uh, one of them was Ted Appleman's second from when they were in, and we we had Ted Appleman on last week, the coach of Selena Sturmey, and Ted, of course, went in many Boston Pizza Cups and things like that, and uh, it was uh, his second that I believe that was there with his wife, and there were some other people as well, so um, should mention what Matt Yo's done here, Duke, and we'll get that going, so Matt Yo's sent in a, a, a text a little while ago, and Duke, what does it say? Uh, so Matt said he's got a couple of tickets for tonight's Oilers game. He's uh, not going to be able to use, so wants to give them away. He wants to have a little trivia element to it. And I just let him know, you know, kind of we ran out of runway here on uh, <laughs> yeah. our program. But I uh, told Matt to drop a note just to, and I'll, I'll remind Connor as well in case uh, Matt forgets. But um, so starting uh, during the Gregor show, uh, make sure you're tuned in as you always should be starting at two o'clock. Uh, and of course, uh, low down with low tide from noon to two and then uh, coming, up fantasy here, frenzy? coming up here at the top of the hour <laughs> myself and Connor Halley will be uh, tucked in for fantasy frenzy so as you always do stay locked in on 1440 but uh, during the Gregor show it uh, looks like they should have a couple Oilers tickets for tonight to give away um, I know sometimes uh, or not sometimes Gregor almost always likes to uh, get a charitable aspect to it so uh, maybe if he decides to, to auction them off or if they just go the strictly trivia route I mean hey they're, they're Matt's tickets he can kind of maybe mm-hmm. dictate how they get given away so I won't um I won't tease the trivia question in its entirety, but uh, a certain <laughs> legendary Canadian athlete kind of made their rap at uh, one of the premier events yesterday afternoon, evening. Well, it's kind of easy, isn't it? You would think. I would. <laughs> but think, that it yeah. will. It will. It will. The question will be involving that individual athlete. So um, stay tuned uh, and uh, check. Do you in. have an idea who it is, Duke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give you a couple guesses <laughs> yeah and the first ones don't count they will uh they'll give away those tickets uh during the jason gregor show between two and six o'clock today looking forward to tonight's oilers kings game at rogers place the kings come in uh, and the Oilers both with 68 points the Oilers do have one game in hand there are three other games in the nhl tonight ottawa visits washington new york islanders in dallas and then the boston bruins continue that road trip in seattle to take on the kraken the oilers king start by the way is well they say 7 30 let's go i'm gonna go 7 44 puck drop 7 44 i will say 7 39 okay, 30 7, 7 39 30 and that is uh Ottawa and Washington are the it's the first game so I'll, I'll go seven 
Yeah, I'll just go 740. I'll go 7 742. <laughs> okay. 742. All and right. we're not doing prices prices right here or nothing, are we? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. The prices right rules are reserved for a specific type of guessing game. I think mm-hmm. time, not one of them. Not for me. No. Uh, so one of four games on the NHL slate tonight. Uh, again, Oilers, the power play for the Oilers is ranked third in the NHL right now, 27.3%. The Kings penalty kill is second in the NHL at 86.5%. So you would think maybe special teams will come into play in this one. A couple notes. uh, Jason Greger down at practice just reporting that it is Dreisaitl, McDavid, Hyman on a line at the morning skate. Kane, RNH, and Janmark up on the right mm-hmm. side. Then on the third line, Fogel, McLeod, and Perry. And then Holloway, Ryan, and Brown. Nurse CC, Ekholm, Bouchard, Kulak, DeHarnay, Stu Skinner in the starters net. Hmm. Matthias Janmark throws him, throws him down and says, uh, I want to play in the second line. So, uh, Fogel moves out of that line on the first. Well, first of all, they're loading up McDavid and Drysaddle, but Fogel was uh, playing with McDavid and Hyman, so now they're loading them up tonight. What do you think, Duke? Mm. Interesting, uh, interesting. I mean, you want to get out of this funk, right? And, and this is a, a big matchup against a team that's kind of right behind you in the in the standings at the moment. So it's it's a game you certainly want to have. Um, loading up the top line, you normally have only seen this uh, in terms of Knobloch's deployment when they're going up against weaker teams. Yeah. Uh, the Kings, you, you talked about Jim Fox, they've kind of, besides that one blip on the radar and getting their doors blown off by the Sabres, they've uh, they've looked substantially better since the coaching change. Um, and, and Dave Riddick's been been great, so uh, we'll see if he deci- uh, ends up getting the start tonight. He was good in the Saturday night win over Anaheim in the shootout. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, it's, I mean, you know, the, the classic break glass in nine. case of emergency that seems to be emergency a lot. Yeah, nine times out of ten, the lines have changed halfway through the game here recently. Anyway. Recently, very much so. so. Very much so. We'll see. I mean, you mentioned Dylan Holloway. You like the way he played in his seven and a half minutes uh, against the Calgary Flames on Saturday night. Maybe he gets inserted to where Janmark is, and there's a bit of a flip-flop there at times. But um, Fogel, McLeod seem to play together. You know, when they do play together, they have a little bit of uh, chemistry, and, uh, and there's a dynamic there. But, I mean, Drysaddle, McDavid, Hyman, I would assume you're expecting big things, three, four goals from that line tonight if uh, the Oilers were to have any success against the Kings tonight. Hey, thanks to all our uh, guests today. Alan Mitchell uh, checked in at 7.20 to lead things off. We had uh, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet at 8 o'clock. Boris Rabalka, big big night in Camrose on the weekend. Boris Rabalka, appreciation night. All those great years with the Kodiaks. Uh, Arash Madani from Rogers Sportsnet uh, joined us at 9.20. Great conversation with Selena Sturmey, Team Alberta Skip, and the Scotties Tournament of Hearts, her first ever, and uh, very proud uh, on what her team accomplished in the first time at the Scotties. Lorianne Munzer our, uh, elevated our game, our Olympic gold medalist, Lorianne Munzer, and then Jim Fox uh, from the LA Kings, our game of the day for St. Albert Dodge. Top of the hour, it will be Fantasy Frenzy with the former Ross Shep T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn at 12 o'clock, uh, the lowdown with Alan Mitchell. 2 o'clock till 6, it's the Drive Home Show with Jason Greger. Uh, thanks to all our uh, listeners this morning. Really appreciated you tuning in and uh, sending in all the great texts and uh, the great correspondence that we had. Uh, tomorrow, 
Grant Fuhr will uh, continue his little bit of a sabbatical down in Thailand for his daughter's wedding. So we will have a full recap of the Kings and Oilers tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. Um, busy, busy show tomorrow and the rest of the week. It's uh, going to be jam-packed. So thanks so much for tuning in. Appreciate it. Uh, coming up next, it is uh, Fantasy Frenzy with uh, Connor Halley and the Duke of Dalburn, Brandon Douglas. Before that, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.